Hello friends, welcome to or welcome back to a Runner's Life podcast. In this episode, I'm joined by my club mate, Joe McKeown. Joe works at the events organiser Run Through. He's an events operation executive. And to say thank you to everyone that supports the podcast and wants to run future Run Through events, please use this code MarathonMarkers10. That is all one word. And you can enter that discount code and get 10% off at checkout. Joe and I run for the same run club, London Heathside, and we talk a little bit about that, his training philosophies, what he's learned from being at the club and the cross-country season. And we also talk about how we first met, where Joe worked at a running shoe shop in North London. And we talk about what he's seen, some of the funny stories, some of the psychology that running brands use to entice us to buy their shoes. Thank you to Saw Running who are sponsoring this episode in a build up to the Boston and London Marathons. A piece of kit that I'm excited to try out is the Graphene Vest. It's made from the Saw Proto Lab. This item will be available to the public at the end of April in short supply. There's about 40 of these singlets. It's right at the cutting edge of what can be done at the moment technically and they use specialist products. Graphene is a good heat conductor. The optimum temperature to run a personal best is approximately between 10 degrees Celsius and possibly a little bit cooler for non-elite athletes. Anything above 10 degrees Celsius is starting to compromise your ability to run a personal best. The graphene tries to equalize out your core body temperature. There is a heat transfer circuit printed in graphene on the inside of the vest and the idea is to help reduce your core body temperature a little bit. If you look at my Instagram page, Marcus underscore runs, you'll see a picture of what it looks like. When your body temperature raises, your brain tells you that you're working harder. So by reducing the core body temperature just a little bit, you can reduce the rate of perceived exertion at a given pace. In testing, this vest is optimum in a narrow range of conditions between 12 and 18 degrees Celsius. So it's ideal for cooler spring or autumn races. That's when it comes into effect. However, if you cut the circuit, it stops working. So the vest is made from one piece of fabric with a single seam at the center back. So the circuit is unbroken around the body. It's lighter than the classic saw race vests, which is already light as it is. So if you're looking for a cutting edge garment for your spring or autumn races, this is an interesting option to consider. We've got a second discount code for you as well. You can get 15% off your purchases at saw running using discount code MARCUS15, all one word, and this is valid up until the end of May 2022. Also want to say a big thank you to my patrons and everyone that supports the show, and thank you to everyone that shares, likes the podcast. It means a lot to me, and it helps the podcast grow. So thank you for being a part of this community. And with that being said, let's head to the conversation with Joe. Hey Joe, welcome to A Runner's Life Podcast. How are you doing? Hi Marcus. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me on. No, thanks for coming down and talking with me today. I mean, this idea for the podcast came about when we were doing our warm-up run in preparation for the Trent Park cross-country for the Met League. So can you talk about like your thoughts on that? Well, my thoughts on the cross-country, I just think Trent Park specifically is just a great place for running around and uh, one of my absolute favourite spots in London to be running at all. Also, there's just an extra nice feeling with that being like the fifth and final Met League of the season as sort of just feels like, you know, you've made it kind of thing. Except for, of course, the National. But (laughs) unfortunately, I I bowed out of that one. Yeah, well, having kind of recently moved on from the place where I was working for a good number of years in running shop in North London, I thought it might be a way of sharing some insight into what it's like to be more or less a permanent fixture, semi-permanent fixture in a North London running hub, I guess. Yeah. 
I think that was really the interesting part of the conversation, just getting that insight of what it's like to be in a running shop, just to see the type of characters that come in and just see what the brands do. And, you know, we can sort of dive into that. So that's really interesting. But before we do, I want to go back to club running. So we both run for London Heathside. Can you talk about the club and what it means to you? And I mean, this is a big open question, but when did you join Heathside and, and how did it start for you? So I've been running with Heathside since 2013. I actually remember my first my first session. I came along and there, there was a kind of um, fancy dress themed track session. I thought, oh, this is great. I thought it was all going to be a fancy dress from here on out, but we'd never actually done that again. Uh, the theme was a kind of retro theme. So, you know, people were, were rocking up in their like battered old trainers and leg warmers and that type of thing. That that also was my very first ever track session. So, um, you know, if you can you remember your first track session? Obviously, it was a bit of a, <laughs> a, bit of a wake-up call. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But... Yeah, yeah. I, I, obviously, uh, as we know, it's uh, you know the right amount of that type of stuff is very, very effective. So I sort of got the bug doing a lot of park run at the time and doing my park runs and doing the sessions there on the Tuesday. I quickly started to see a difference in how I was running. You spoke about this, the aspect of fancy dress. So obviously, it seems like an element of connecting with people. Can you talk about how the community aspect has tied you to the club? Because you've been there for 10 years now. So yeah oh absolutely yeah yeah and that's good it's a good point i came along to the club it was actually recently after moving to london and uh, just as just as a little bit of a tangent my brother dan was also Heathside member he moved to london before me and he'd really been picking up his distance running so that was very much what sort of kind of cemented that kind of routine was through the people that i met through the club a lot of good mates and then as as we know, you know, this kind of area, North London, with all the different clubs and that is just like a very vibrant scene. So yeah, it's always been good to to be a part of that. Yeah, still, you know, not not just Heathsiders, but from, from all different people, from all different clubs, you know, so many friends sort of dotted around the place with that, you know, that, that shared interest as well. Can you talk about some of your most favourite memories and probably some of the most challenging moments as running for Heathside? Well, to go back to the cross country, I think I think some of those moments, you know, it's even though we're we're grassroots athletes, you know, to sort of be there with people, you know, sort of shouting at you and that, it's it's actually it's like a a little taste of the big time, isn't it? But in in a good way, you know, not not really that pressurised, but you know, you still got you know, kind of people cheering you on and you know your fans and stuff like that. Not me personally, just just everyone, you know. But it's yeah, that's, it's kind of a nice moment, you know. Just like yeah, you're sort of coming off the top of Parliament Hill, and you know, you know that it's like it's it's a way to go for home from here. But you just got you know one of your club mates going, go on, it's it's just a, it's just a set of strides from here. It's like ah, ah you know, eyeballs out effort, you know, down down that final stretch. Yeah, I think Parliament Hill is up there. It's got it's got to be like the best cross country venue, really, the home of cross country, as they say. Yeah, can you talk a little bit about it for people that aren't familiar with Parliament Hill and what it means to club runners and you know the impact it has on the cross country diary as well? 
if if you didn't know the the sort of event at all, you might think, oh well, you know, that's actually probably just for the top echelon of of runners in the country to go and compete for the title, and it is for those people, but it's for everybody else as well, you know, from the the slowest to the swiftest, and and it is it really is something to behold for anyone that is based around uh, North London if you've never gone across it it wasn't actually they they generally host it at parliament hill at one year and then it's hosted elsewhere on alternate years but what you're treated to is basically a big long line of people all sort of i mean it looks like um the start of a of a battle scene out of braveheart or something like that it doesn't look like a sporting competition at all but um yeah usually that you know those people that are like at the top of um the first hill that you you set off and you you run up this hill and those people that make make it to the top there in in the first few are probably you know those that are going to be sort of fighting out for you know the overall honors yeah you know with with cross country there's the the individual people the different age categories the team performances but but moreover than that it's just like just a case of getting out and sort of representing your own lot isn't it so if if it's a parliament hill you know you you kind of gotta go and represent your manner so to speak yeah it's really interesting hearing you talk about it because for me when i started running i started it through road running for a bet from a friend i didn't have a club per se to to join or didn't have it at school so much and i spent a lot of time like many people probably going through the roads and then then i kind of almost went backwards by going not backwards but almost doing the reverse way of say the traditional route in terms of now i've got a club now i've started to do cross country and yeah for me cross country is such an interesting concept because say in a race you know you know, even if you've got a hilly race, you know, you've got some undulations you can base on your time, but that is a cross country is like a different type of running. And I quite like it because it's so, without swearing, so bloody hard in the sense of like, <laughs> you, you know, it's like, you know, yeah. you feel like if you're not going to be sick or pass out or whatever, I know it sounds a bit extreme, then you're probably mm. not going hard enough. And it feels like that sometimes, especially when people are like cheering you on. And you feel like if I say anything to you, I'm going to spontaneously explode because I've literally got no energy to give you <laughs> right now. Um, because it just feels like from the jump, you're just on it. And because of just the way that the the route rolls through and, you know, you know, the ground isn't, you know, even. So there's a lot of work there. There's a lot of strength work and there's a lot of effort. So yeah. there's so much happening. It's just so intense uh, compared to say, even if, I mean, if, I'm, not, I'm not trying to compare it, like a 5K in track or 5K in road is still hard, but it's, you don't, you, you don't have to worry about the ground per se. You're just literally running along. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, I think uh, in some cases, and I've definitely done this in the past where you kind of, you go you train for something with the kind of view that you know everything's going to be optimal on the day and you know you're going to have those fast conditions and that that sort of like perfect surface for running on I think sometimes I sort of well you know I kind of do this even though it's going to be hard but actually you know the point is you do it because it's hard because it's a challenge and that's pretty good you know it's really good to hear that I think there's so many good things about cross country that you can take into other distances and other disciplines you know it makes you definitely a stronger runner and i think it definitely helps a lot of people especially 
work towards PBs in the spring season for half marathons upwards. And I think it's a really good training. I mean, I use them as a really good training runs for, I've got Boston coming up as well. So I'm not sure if you're training for any marathons or any races. I've uh, thrown my hat into the ring for London this year. Looking forward to that. Yeah, so that's going to be great. I mean, I've done London twice before and yeah, it's always a great event to be a part of on the subject of, you know, doing things because they're a little bit more challenging. Me and my brother are doing the inaugural Leeds Marathon, the Rob Burroughs Leeds Marathon, which has got, yeah, a little bit of gain in it. I don't actually know how much, but yeah, some (laughs) certainly. So yeah, not kind of looking at the the fastest course there but that that should be really good fun looking forward to that very much it's three weeks after london i think though i mean we say this obviously it's easy to say it when you're sitting down and you're comfortable but i think when you're running undulating courses sometimes it does feel better when you're running it because you're engaging different muscles where sometimes you think not you personally but sometimes people may think if i run a flat course then that'd be better but i think sometimes you can get so used to using the same muscles yeah yeah i i i'd, I'd kind of agree with that and also i think just in, from the mental side of it i mean you know if you do quite a hard race on a on a very fast course that can be pretty relentless you just try and absolutely flog yourself from the gun and that doesn't always work out well. Yeah, but I think sometimes you've got to learn to figure out what your limits are, learn to trust yourself and sometimes you get it right and sometimes you've gone too early. So it's always a learning game, isn't it? Well, yeah, one of the best uh, pieces of advice I ever received was just, just back yourself. Go on, back yourself. I think that's... uh, I just offer that advice to everybody. That's that's kind of the, the, the best words I ever received before a race once. <laughs> but when you hear that, what does it mean to you as a runner right now, back yourself? It, it sort of goes back to what we were hinting at before about, you know, why 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 you go and run in the first place is to, to actually put yourself out there. And I don't know, that, that element of risk or, or whatever it is, that's what's rewarding. From a racing point of view, you know, if you're always kind of, quite measured and quite conservative in your approach yeah that's fine you'll always put out a kind of a fairly good effort and i think you know when we we look at some of the sporting stars on the tv we don't tend to enjoy the ones that do everything in a very controlled and measured way we we prefer a bit more uh, risk it all kind of an approach yeah it's a tricky balance because i'm sure like you probably experienced this and other people can relate to it when you've run a pb in a certain distance it wasn't comfortable i'm sure there's moments during it where you, you think can i do this can i not do this should i stop and like you're saying it's not straightforward so yeah i think backing yourself when i hear it and i guess there's so many interpretations of it it's just like finding out what your limit is and and pushing as close to that as possible yeah absolutely yeah you, you won't know until you go there will yeah. you that's the point it's like borrow the old boardman thing if the answer is can i sustain this effort if the answer is yes then you've you've gone out too slow if the answer is no you've gone out too fast so the correct answer is perhaps yeah which is why cross country is so good in the aspect because it's still long enough to be challenging but still short enough to like really get it wrong and if you go out way too hot even the first mile you know you can pay for it yeah it seems like a relatively short distance when you look at it on strava whatnot yeah and no it's it's a quality effort and of course you know and this sort of goes into the all the all the sort of off-roady stuff and the more adventurous stuff there are several other things that can go wrong you know it might it might not just be like pace judgment you could lose a shoe you know you 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 might have a costume malfunction now that's happened at the met league before now you know if you're out on a trail you know you could and you probably will get lost 
you can fall, you can hurt yourself, you know. So there's a, it is quite adventurous, you know, some of this stuff. They don't do the crossy at Ali Pali anymore. I had to go and get a tetanus shot after I'd raced that one time because I managed to sort of give myself a good gouge in the leg with my own spikes. And I thought, uh, that's probably not too great <laughs> given how much that mud stinks. Uh, just uh, again, getting a nice cut and rubbing some of it in there. But yeah. Joe, I know you've tried to like cover it up with this tetanus thing but we can't let you go <laughs> we will leave us hanging i'm not sure that's the right term of phrase for the wardrobe malfunction so can you tell us a little bit about that as well well that particular one wasn't me although i'm probably been close on a few occasions but you know you know some of these uh keen runners they do like to have their very uh, skimpy shorts you know giving providing a lot of uh, capacity for leg lift what I heard was that this particular runner had to be warned by the marshals on course because all the people cheering him into the finish had seen more than they uh, than than they uh, strictly wanted to. Um, it's quite unfortunate, really, but yeah, it's um, yeah. No one needs to see that. <laughs> Hopefully, you get some better shorts or, or some sort of more coverage the next time for him and, and the other people as well. Should have gone to a good running retailer and, uh, you know, <laughs> got some with a sturdier lining than that. I think I think it might have been his lucky shorts, but they've, they've probably seen they've seen a few too many seasons, uh, I bet. So I just want to go into London really quickly. And can you talk a little bit about training and your training principles? Are you coached? Are you self-coached? How does that look like? I'm not coached beyond what I do with the club. So quite often I'll still still pop along um, to Jacob's group on a Tuesday. And in which case that kind of session, I, I would kind of do it as, as it's handed to me. In previous kind of marathon buildups and stuff, I've kind of been quite methodically sort of sketched out a sort of program for myself. On this occasion, I'm sort of winging it a little bit more, but but it seems to be pretty good. I mean, I've also, in terms of approach, I've previously gone down the sort of, you know, I've quite a lot of training modalities, you know, I've been heart rate monitored up and all these kind of things. And yeah, now it's a lot more done off feel and sort of pace judgment and stuff like that, because I think, I think that's ultimately the skill that you need to sort of develop um, with your training rather than you know necessarily monitoring it with a heart rate monitor or a lactometer or whatever else people might be using uh, i kind of just, just trying to come away from it being too sciencey because i don't think it's super helpful i i think it sort of over complicates things and um and uh yeah i, th- I think it it's it can also sort of stand in the way of some of the enjoyment. Although some people no doubt enjoy enjoy all the stats and stuff like that. I do as well, but yeah, very much kind of rate of perceived exertion kind of focus for the training at the minute. And also just, just kind of got to fit it in <laughs> where I can. So yeah, it's all, it's all very well having, you know, very set things that I'm going to do. But today I've done my long run. It's just a question of like, if not now, you know, it ain't going to happen. So get out there and do it. Yeah. I really resonate with the idea of having technology there, but not having it as your everything and really going back to going by feel. But I think also that when people hear that, they might sound really wishy-washy, but you, I think you can only do that after you've got the principles in place to know what a week looks like, what the year looks like for training, what things you need to be doing. 
and then you kind of work backwards from then. I don't think we're, we're saying like just feel it and just randomly make up what happens. Yeah, to sort of go back into that a little bit, I, I did previously. There was yeah, I've I've followed like plans that have been sort of drawn up and then kind of given out to lots of people. And I'm sure lots of people have done a similar thing to this, whether you've got the the training plan that you're using or from online or or um, through somebody at your club perhaps or, or whatever it might be. So, so I've kind of done that. Yeah, I mean, absolutely geeked out to my heart's content with it, you know, the kind of specific reason why you might go and do your your sort of weekend long run or your your interval session and of course you just just your easy run no run is too easy in my book yeah. <laughs> i like an easy run absolutely talking of training principles can you talk about some training principles that you see work for other people but may not work for you and some that work for you but that may not work for other people i think it's a highly individualized thing and i think that particularly when you look at the the kind of types of volume that some that one runner can run versus another um there's a really good guy at our club uh richard and he has never been somebody who's been knocking out a lot of miles because it just doesn't work for him you know he can't can't be going and running you know seven hours every week or kind of more strength based well i don't i don't actually know i don't know exactly what he does do but it but it's a mixture of sort of cross training strength sessions some some kind of piecemeal running as well certainly no big epic long runs and yeah obviously he's he's a very good runner now that's in part that's just kind of depends on the person right but you know crucially and i think this this is a kind of philosophical point for runners crucially he's improved tremendously you know so whatever you whatever your kind of your starting point is it's actually you know you know the progress you make that's kind of so gratifying isn't it you know you get you get some people they're like oh you've just run a 33 minute 10k how was it it's like it was all right it's like okay then (laughs) no further questions it doesn't it doesn't actually matter you know how fast you go it's sort of you know the quality of the effort and the amount of enjoyment you get doing it as well so all good things yeah definitely so obviously with richard you talked about the volume and like so I, I know the same similar people that some you know it's less volume and more of other things but for you what works specifically for you that you find yeah uh, actually probably quite a lot of easy running i think um tends to keep me keep me going and i'm you know quite lucky that i've not i've not been too plagued with injuries um um during my time running obviously i, I do have some some issues but you know i think that that keeps me trying along nicely and when i think about it like probably a mixture of everything i mean you know in, in a sense like all training is good within reason yeah, um, a, a mixture of, of of sort of lots of lots of easy runs, interspersed with you know occasional trips to the track, and also just variation. I think you know for kind of sometimes I just you know feel like I just kind of going through the paces a little bit, and then I just do something kind of completely off the wall, and yeah, it feels really good. <laughs> I'm suddenly run, running great again. Like if if um, if training is dose dependent obviously there's such a thing as doing too much 
and overdosing on it and you know it not being beneficial but you you can definitely underdose on it as well and i think sometimes you know if you just you know sometimes you you, you just have to sort of like go and do a bonkers long run or a bonkers hilly run or you know a, a run that was faster than you would otherwise have done i think it's definitely like i can relate to some of the stuff you're saying i feel that you do need to make sure you don't get stuck in this plateau sort of stage there's things that you do to kind of shake things up but then it's also dependent on life factors stress you know about what you can do what you can't do so there's so many variabilities in there well when working in the shop and you quite often this is quite a common sort of um thing that happens in a running shop somebody comes in and you know they've they've they're injured somehow of course as a com as a sort of combination of the way that some of the stuff is marketed and some of the claims around that which you know i, I don't know we don't necessarily need to go all the way into that the kind of thing well you know perhaps i need my gate analyzed or something like that and you know there's there's a couple of things here one full disclosure i'm not a doctor <laughs> i don't i don't have a medical degree or anything like that so you know they're, they're very much just coming in and asking a runner but you know i, I like to think i'm a sensible chap so like uh, what i would generally ask is you know anything changed in what you're doing you know any changes in sort of training overall and it's a pretty obvious question to ask first off isn't it because if the answer to that is like yes then it's like well maybe that might be responsible for this like new sensation you're feeling and not you know the the choice of shoe that you you happen to have gone with i mean pivoting to working at the shop and going to that question do you did you find that when people ask you a question they weren't really asking a question they were asking a question which they thought they answered already and they just wanted you to justify that answer (laughs) what a rhetorical question um yeah yeah sometimes i mean yeah yeah i think um the the months away from the shop haven't haven't done anything to to sort of stop that you know as soon as as soon as the overpronating and all those kind of all that terminology comes out it sort of immediately makes me cringe a little bit because it does yeah it's just just all the marketing around it is is kind of yeah so woolly (laughs) it's it's not it doesn't really it doesn't really meet the research given the rate of pronation or path of movement isn't actually a very good predictor of, of injury at all i mean if it was then happy days you know we'd we'd, we'd know oh, it's a very very simple solution then which is which is largely what was promised you know with all this kind of not promised as such because nowhere does anywhere specifically say yeah you're less likely to be injured in this because that'll be a like a clearly a false claim well, they don't say it but they they suggest it in other ways don't they they're like <laughs> yeah they imply it but yeah you do get a mixture so the classic one would be okay somebody comes in they're like oh yeah can you analyze my gait yeah i think i've got flat feet and stuff like that okay so let's 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 run and you know do a recording and stuff like that and then like sort of 20 minutes later they'll be talking about what about these barefoot shoes then like uh is that something i should be considering it's just like wow we're sort of we're all over the place here that being another one you get some quite outspoken people in in that kind of space as well minimalist craze what are the common questions that people asked when you were working in the running shop 
Um, well, sometimes you like after sort of spending sort of like fifteen minutes helping someone, they'll just they'll just come out and ask you, which is the best one. <laughs> it's like uh, I don't know which is which is the best flavor of crisp. <laughs> A common one, which is which is which is perfectly reasonable, is you know, what what do you run in? Yeah, that's a fair, that's a fair enough question. The answer was whatever whatever i sort of get whatever i get i keeps so yeah you you do benefit from getting quite a lot of shoes seeded to you in a running shop so that's uh yeah one, one of the perks of the job certainly yeah do you reckon there is a question that people should be asking when they go into a running shop i don't know if that's the right way to phrase it really or is the right way to go into a running shop and just take it for what it is it's uh, a good question um yeah, I'm not sure. I, th- I think it probably is a bit more of like taking it as it is. I mean, I, th- I think there's a huge benefit to going to places like that. To, uh, and yeah, I mean, I mean, in terms of the the type of people now, I feel like I've kind of you know maybe gone gone a bit negative there because I've, I've pulled out some of the slightly more tricky customers as a starting point, and everyone's not like that far from it what you tend to see is like quite a lot of new runners come in um people you know whether the sort of couch to 5k or maybe have got up to their 5k and then and then actually feel like oh well i'll invest in a decent pair of running shoes and though those those are the guys that are like really nice to to serve because they don't usually don't come in with loads of kind of preconceived ideas about what they're what they must have on their foot kind of thing they're they're quite open to just try things so i think yeah i think it's a case of keeping an open mind and being able to try something on and you know seeing how it fits you know and and um seeing that it's comfortable which i guess is a little bit easier when you're newer into the sport and probably a little bit more challenging when you're more experience and kind of this is what works for me did you see like a noticeable split between new runners and experienced runners attending the shop yeah well definitely the um the bigger market are the the new runners but i don't even you know in terms of how this works out mathematically because you, you think there would be more returning runners i think it's it's partly the fact that people that have maybe had a lot of running shoes in their life are kind of more more easy and you know we'll, we'll, we'll maybe do a bit more shopping online and stuff like that whereas people getting their first pair would potentially see the benefit in going and sort of trying it in the store but somehow it always you, you always seem to end up serving more people new to the sport than you know people it's not 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 always the case but that that, that certainly seems to be the sort of um, sort of general trend the other thing that um, working in places like that it isn't always runners that you're serving because running shoes are used more widely. I mean, you know, really widely at the minute. So, you know, it's a mixture of, you know, maybe people who haven't been using sort of suitable footwear have been told by their GP to like go and get a decent pair of shoes, go to this place, buy something. And so that's just getting something for walking around in and, a lot of you know people sort of slightly more elderly just just wanting something that you know that they can move around and actually had quite a funny experience when 
had this woman I was serving just yeah just need to be able to walk and and so forth and so got some shoes out she was walking up and down the shop and stuff like that and I was sort of you know yeah you're looking all right she actually had to point out to me that she had a prosthetic leg I didn't even notice like (laughs) so she, she was (laughs) she came in like with one prosthetic leg so i mean you can treat that as um you know something of a cautionary tale if you're going to go and entirely rely on the expert in the in the store like in fairness you know i I, i'd prefer rather than to spare my blushes to sort of say oh that's just you know isn't technology wonderful right yeah (laughs) this woman walking around on a prosthetic leg i can't even tell the difference but you know I mean, people, I've seen people with, with, you know, two organic legs, if you want to call it that, that, that moved considerably worse. So, so she was doing all right. And as I said, she was, she was really nice as well. So. Yeah. I think it's really interesting to hear you speak about just the type of person that goes into a running shop from the new runners to people that aren't runners to people that want more comfortable footwear. And I guess towards the end of your time there, did you see a like a noticeable impact on the business in terms of, you know, sometimes people might go to the shop just to try things on and then leave to then buy online. So the question I'm asking is, that do you see a, like a noticeable shift between in-store kind of interaction and purchases compared to people purchasing things online and being influenced by social media and those kind of activations? Yeah, no, you definitely get, I mean, that's, that's always, that's, yeah, particularly if you've, um, spent a bit of time helping somebody out that's kind of quite annoying but it actually it actually happens less than you might think I don't know whether it was whether I was just lucky or maybe I was a fantastic salesman or something like that but uh yeah it's uh, I, I think um mostly people go into a shop because they're interested in buying something and you know to give them their due I think you know companies are pretty savvy you know with with stuff like that so you know in the case of how we would do that it's like oh well if you're very interested in having this shoe but maybe in a different color then we can sort of look at our extended range and we can get that colorway sent to you so it sort of is semi online if you like that that was that was the kind of way out of that situation as and when it arose and people um people you know have always been that that i mean that's that's a change but it's not a change necessarily in what people are like but a change maybe in how i approached it the the answer to that used to be when i was coming from purely the running side of things of like well don't worry about the color it's not important kind of thing i didn't say it like that but that was that was kind of the message whereas actually i've i've become much more uh, embracing of well actually for you you know perhaps the color does matter and actually you know i i don't know this this is completely going off on a tangent but you know maybe color just matters in a performance context i don't know so you know i don't think this has been fully fully sort of studied or understood but you know which shoe is faster the red one or the blue one i think the main thing that you're saying there is that the importance of that person to person, that rapport and people yeah, buy from people. Yeah. So if you've done the work there, not in the work, but obviously in a genuine way, then people are more likely just to uh, spend a little bit more because they like the person as opposed to being like, I'm just going to get it, leave and get it online. 
Yeah, and then, and you know, sometimes you'll you'll there'll be there'll be certain things. Obviously, you know, if you if you want like a very popular shoe, let let's say a, like a Nike Zoom Pegasus. I mean that that particular shoe, you could get it in just about any color under the sun. So if you've like if you want that shoe in one specific color, then just just look online and get it. But if you want some of the shoes, only come in like three colors. Yeah, for sure. So there's a couple more things I want to speak about in the running shop before we kind of move on to where you are now. I know you spoke about one of the interesting experiences of the prosthetic leg and not noticing that, but were there any other funny moments that happened at the store? Well, there was a story that I heard about was somebody that worked in our store, but they'd also worked previously in a different running store in America. And so what happened, they had this customer in the store and I think it was, yeah, it was shoes that she'd come in wearing. You know, I've got these shoes that they're, they're terribly uncomfortable, you know, they can't. So it's one shoe, but it's not the other. So, you know, she was taking them off and checking them out. And like, and so she thought, well, you know, just like have a check inside the shoe to see, um, see what's got, if there's anything, you know, sort of uh, an anomaly there and she found a dead frog in there oh my word goodness knows how long that poor amphibian had been in there but or how it got in there in the first instance i mean who knows but it's it's moments like that that are really going to test your professionalism isn't it i mean how (laughs) i'm sure i'm sure doctors have you know a and e doctors for example must have like much more jazzy stories than that but yeah you know, he's kind of just going to say, okay, well, I've I've removed the reptile now, madam. Now, here, try your shoe on again. Ah, doesn't that feel better? Great. You see a lot of, well, you've seen a lot of campaigns and activations, and we've touched upon it earlier in this conversation about the things that brands say to get people to buy into things. What are the common, I guess, psychological tricks that you noticed that brands use to te- suck people into buy a particular shoe? Like he's not always a bad thing as well. Yeah, maybe maybe some of my cynicism coming to the surface, where I sort of instantly go on like the the sort of flops or the nonsense or stuff like that. But yeah, I mean the the every shoe, every new sort of campaign or technology, it's it's always it's always got the same weight behind it that like this is now you know the most incredible thing. So when the um, when the four percent shoes came along i was uh, i was absolutely of the all right okay yeah improve you by four percent do they yeah all right then fine (laughs) so i just completely just dismissed that out of hand because because frankly i'd heard i'd heard it all before this thing has these amazing properties and and the shoes have undoubtedly got better i mean you know kind of we occasionally would get some of the older shoes in, in, you know, people recycling their shoes. So you'd see a shoe from 15 years ago and it's like so much heavier, just the sheer weight difference alone. So, I mean, they're, they're great bits of kit, you know, and sh- sh- the shoes are great, but um, yeah, it's, it's kind of that thing. It's like, is it not enough that you can kind of wear it and enjoy wearing it? Does it need to sort of do your tax return for you as well? Yeah. Yeah. It's just any time when there's a very specific claim, and of course, of course, the the, the overriding one, the the sort of one that's kind of been touted from the beginning is like this shoe will sort out your injury problems. 
And I just think that's a very unhelpful message, really, because it's not true. The shoe can work fine and it can fit and it can be comfortable. And that's that's actually all the shoe can do. It's not, it's not capable of like fixing a knee problem. I don't know. But there's no evidence to suggest that it does. You'd think that evidence would would exist by now. It's studied enough. The burden of proof should be always with the thing claiming to, you know, fix your knee or fix your hip or hip fix your back or whatever it is. Have you seen any like big flops in the sense of big claims and then you sort of see that the customers just don't buy into it at all? Ah, well, it's actually a brand that I like. It's one of the less successful Adidas shoes. So it was one that we had in the um, store. And I actually asked my my former colleague, Nick, because I couldn't remember what it was called. Uh, the shoe was the Pure Boost X. It's one of the, you know, the boost range. And some of the shoes within that range were really popular. You know, that, that was the kind of best tech around at that time. But they they just started to use it in everything. So this particular shoe was marketed to a lady's foot. So it was specifically supposed to fit women because, you know, all this special research and development they'd done in it. And it was sort of, what was strange about it was that the the upper of the shoe and like where it sort of sat um, through the arch and underneath the sort of middle part of the foot wasn't connected to the midsole. So it actually separated away from that, like a kind of cradle. So like the ball of the foot is attached to the shoe, the heel is attached to the shoe, but in between you could, you know, you could literally poke your finger through there. Every single person who tried this on said, oh, that's so uncomfortable. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, the concept didn't quite live up to the reality or no, vice versa. But yeah, it's... Um, yeah, and I hear you. I think, like you said before, it's like it's always new, better, bigger, more comfortable, all that kind of stuff. And does it land? And I, I guess, I guess the final question I've got in regards to the, the shop element is: what are the core principles that you think that you've seen that does work in terms of shoes? It is all going. I'm, I'm just going to list some very, very obvious things. So, does the shoe fit well on your foot? You know, is it is it like nice kind of width that you want and, and so forth? Is the shape of the shoe kind of fitting on your foot nicely? Is the shoe comfortable? You know, this like I basically, you know, all the all those years of working in the running shop almost entirely boiled down to that. And of course, do you like it? Do you want to go? You know, would you like to go and run in this shoe or this shoe? And that you know i I realize that seems like so so simple that an idiot could have thought of it though those those are the fundamentals you know and then you know from there yeah by all means like kind of go and you know get the one that's slightly lighter or you think you're going to be able to run a bit faster in that's all good but you know most important you know is to have something nice on your foot that feels comfortable yeah that makes a lot of sense we've covered where you were before and now you've moved on to a new role can you talk a little bit about that and what you're doing now i am working with run through i've been with run through so if anyone doesn't know run through organize events specifically races and, and running events all through the uk 
uh yeah so i'm i'm working with them and we do a lot of events i think there's events happening in the north and in the midlands i'm working you know in the south in the southern region and yeah some weeks we've got about three events going on some some weeks it's sort of one or two but like every weekend there's something so yeah it's it's really it's been really fun been been a a great thing to to sort of get into and um beyond just the actual events themselves a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes getting stuff ready so some of some of the events like a kind of ones that happen almost every month so you know races uh, in some of our local parks around london for example you're going to have like basically a series of events happening at a, a specific venue and those those continue to roll on you know throughout the year we have other events that are sort of larger kind of scale operations for example this weekend although i appreciate it would have been in gone by the time anyone listens to this podcast uh, but we've got the the surrey half which is going to be a big event um that we're just doing for the first time this year we've taken it over and that's going to be upwards of four thousand people running in that so it's a huge undertaking yeah it's going to be it's a lot of fun what run through do well from what i've been seeing so far is a lot of the stuff that goes on behind the scenes so you know really thinking through all the details and got a lot of insight you know from the runner's point of view to basically you know create the best experience on race day last weekend we we had a big event happening in the olympic park yeah it was all very exciting it was all the extra touches that sort of came through on the event itself i hope kind of feel feel that did as well so for example the the people taking part the participants could go into the olympic stadium and like grab a photo of themselves after the race once they've got their medal and everything go in there and, and take a photo well I, sorry i should say the west ham stadium I, I, whatever they call it these days but you know right pitch side it's sort of you know lovely day for it as well sort of go and get a photo with their mates and just sort of go in that like you know quite iconic venue and then we had all sorts of kind of entertainment and stuff out on course as well just to sort of like you know create a really great atmosphere and yeah it was a lot of fun so it was a really good place to run around it wasn't like a massive circuit it was all within the olympic park so it was quite an intricate little course but you know we were able to use the warm-up track so the runners actually went onto the track and round it and then sort of back out the way they came in kind of thing as part of part of the event so you know and and around the velo park and around the velodrome and everything so yeah it sort of really was a quite quite a thorough sort of tour around all, all the good bits of that north park bit i think i guess from the outside looking in it seems that what run through do really well is about engaging that community and making the runners feel part of the community so they feel part of the brand as opposed to this is a said race and it, it's different to or you know having that barrier yeah 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 which which links through to to what we were talking about in the first instance of like you know why are people running at all why are we going out and racing and going and meeting our friends on a saturday morning or whatever it's you know is that community it's that it's at the core of it yeah uh, yes yeah, it's the most important thing how we uh, interact with others and with our social circles and with with our, with just all, all our environment and stuff like that as well so yeah 
Yeah, so just to give you an example of whilst we're talking about like unique places where you can go and go and run Alton Towers. So we do an event at Alton Towers, you know, which, you know, to go and run there, which you can't normally do. And you can go and run all around Alton Towers and then you get to stay there afterwards and go around and enjoy the amusement park. So it's things like that. This is a unique running experience. Yeah, and I think it's something different. And, you know, I think people do value it from the experiences and the feedback that people are giving and, and continue to give. So I think you, you guys are doing something right. So, yeah, obviously, long may it continue. Joe, it's been a great talking to you on the Runner's Life podcast. Thank you for being a guest. Many thanks, Marcus. Yeah, brilliant. Thanks for having me on, mate. And I'll see you soon. See you for a run soon. Thank you for listening to this episode of a Runner's Life podcast. If you've enjoyed this conversation, please do subscribe to be notified of new episodes. If something resonates with you, please let me know and share online. Also, you could do me a massive favor by leaving your review on the podcast platform which you selected as it helps the podcast grow. Your support helps make this podcast possible. If you've got any questions, please do get in touch with me on my Instagram page at Marcus underscore runs. Your time is valuable. Thank you again for sharing your time with me.